0: Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com.
1: You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On The Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Amy Groob on our show today. Amy wears many hats. She's a Bay Street trained lawyer who founded a boutique virtual law firm focused exclusively on commercial contracts. Amy is also the legal innovation strategist at Good Lawyer, an online platform that connects business owners across Canada with a network of independent lawyers. Amy is also a coach for other lawyers. She offers one-on-one and group programs to lawyers who want to build the legal practice of their dreams. Finally, she's the founder of Solo Small Firm Canadian Lady Lawyers, an online community for purpose-driven and high-performing Canadian women lawyers. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you, Kayla. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thrilled, thrilled to have you. Uh, So before we dive into today's chat, what is really the most important thing that you want our audience of women entrepreneurs to take away from today's interview? Uh,
0: It's a great question. So I think the most important thing I want people to take away is the idea to not be afraid to follow your passion and not worry about what other people are thinking about you. Mm. I think that a lot of times, women in particular, we don't take the time to pause and think of our vision of where we want to go and where we want to be in five or 10 years. And we kind of get caught up in our everyday lives. And I did this as well. I would have been a lawyer in a large law firm doing legal work because that sort of was always my path and I didn't Mm -hmm. have time to take a break and think, is this exactly what I want to be doing? Mm -hmm. So once I was able to take a pause and take a break and do the work just in terms of envisioning where I want my life to be and following my goals, um, that really allowed me to do all of these things. Like you mentioned, I'm wearing all these different hats, but that allowed me to really dig deep and figure out what it is I really wanted to do and follow my passion and do what I really want to do with my life and my career.
1: Mm, and that takes such guts and courage to be really honest with yourself about what it is you want from your circumstance. Like that takes a lot of courage to, to shift away from a very traditional um, and, and very accepted path. You know, it sounds great to be, you know, pursuing Bay Street dumb and, and going down that space. But if your heart is being called elsewhere, it takes a lot of guts to shift into that direction.
0: Absolutely. It does. And you have to be really, really honest with yourself and have a lot of guts. Like Mm -hmm. you said, Um, it takes a lot of courage to say, you know what? I went to law school. I did all of these things. I paid for my legal education. And that's not exactly the route I want to be following anymore. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we have family pressure or we think we have pressure from other people in our industry or our friends Mm -hmm. or our people in our everyday lives but really for me it all comes down to this is my life this is how I want to live it and it wasn't until I really started to hone in on my passion and what I love to do that I it just opened this whole new world of opportunity and it really changed my whole mindset um so it was a really big game changer for me for sure but all that being said, it was very scary to
1: do. Yes. In hindsight, 2020, looking back on it is, is a different sort of perspective. So walk us through your entrepreneurial journey. Why um, did you establish group law? You've sort of mentioned, um, you know, the, these different iterations, but bring us back to the very beginning. How did it all start?
0: Sure. So I, um, I practiced for a long time at an international law firm, and it was great work. It was really big clients doing um, files that were in the paper. I was a business. I am a business lawyer. So at that time, I was doing a lot of um, M&A, transactional work. So it was a lot of um, files that you would see in the newspaper, which was really exciting. Um, But then over time, my interest shifted And also my home life shifted as well. And so I wanted to have a practice that was more in line with my goals. I wanted to have more flexibility, um, more freedom to pick and choose my clients. And it it wasn't happening the way I wanted it to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I was fortunate enough I took a leave from work because it's just so busy being a lawyer. So I took some Mm -hmm. time to try and figure out what I wanted to do. And so in that time, I started an online business, totally unrelated to law, and I would go to different networking events um, in my capacity as this online business owner, and people would learn I was a lawyer. And all of these entrepreneurs were asking me legal questions. And so the people who are asking me questions weren't clients that could necessarily be served by a really big law firm because our fees were very high. And so I re- it was like this light bulb moment of, oh, I can totally help these people. I understand their industry um, and I can do this on my own and have the flexibility that I really want. Mm-hmm. So that's when I decided to start Groob Law, which is completely virtual. And I am picking and choosing the types of clients that I want to work with. And so that sort of snowballed into more. So I also help lawyers who want to go solo and build their practice. Um, and I've also joined Good Lawyer as an advisor. And so Good Lawyer is a platform that helps other business owners have access to lawyers across Canada. So it's just kind of snowballed into all of these different opportunities.
1: And I'm just really grateful for all of the opportunities that have come my way. Mm, fantastic. Um, and so with, with your business, it seems to cater to a very specific market demand. Um, so tell us the, the importance of really finding your niche as a business owner, no matter the industry. How did you get to that space? Yes,
0: so in the beginning, I was a business lawyer, a general business lawyer, so whatever people wanted to throw at me, I took that on. Um, But I decided... To follow my passion, and my passion is commercial contracts. So Mm. I love to read fine print. I -hmm. love to think about different words. And I know it's that's a very strange thing. Is that a common
1: thing? thing? Yeah. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) No, not at all. So whatever floats your boat, right? Mm. So Mm -hmm. um, that was my passion, what I love to do. And so I decided to focus exclusively on commercial contracts. And The advantage of doing that is that people now know me Mm. as the contracts lawyer. Mm -hmm. So instead of being known as a lawyer or a business lawyer, when other people have questions about contracts, they know they can come and talk to me. And that's really helped in my marketing as well. Um, On my, you know, in my marketing materials, all I talk about are commercial contracts and it's very, very specific. And so I think of it um, in terms of if you were a, if you were, if you had heart problems, you want to go to, um, I can't think of the name of the doctor. Cardiologist. Um, I guess, yeah. thank yes. Thank you. You <laughs> want to go. go to a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go to a GP.
1: Mm-hmm. So you want to go
0: to a specialist Yeah. and by niching down, it's just, it helps me to focus on who my clients are, how I can help them, and in return, they know exactly how I can help them as well.
1: Mm, fantastic. And and why do you think that other businesses, like learning um, more about their specific clients and, and what you call your client avatar, why is it important for a business to find their ideal client?
0: Well, finding your ideal cl- client avatar, is it's actually one of the first things I do with Lawyers that I'm helping to set up their practices Mm -hmm. and the reason why we do it is it's like everything sort of flows from there. Once you Mm -hmm. know who your person is, all of your marketing, all of the copy on your website, everything you do can speak directly to that individual Mm -hmm. um and it also helps you to really hone in on where you want to be so for example if your client or your customer if they're all on LinkedIn, but you're spending all of your time on Instagram, you're, you're wasting your time on mm. Instagram, you want to be where your ideal client avatar mm. is. So find out where they're hanging out, what they're talking about, and also find out what their pain points and what their struggles are. And that's how you can market to them by talking about their issues and how you can help them. And you... So the result is that when they come to your website, for example, your ideal client feels as though you're speaking directly to them. Mm -hmm. And in a way you are because you've really done your research and honed in on who your ideal client is.
1: Fantastic. So, switching gears a little bit and now going into legal advice for entrepreneurs, because I know this is a topic that many entrepreneurs find very daunting, very overwhelming, myself included. You know, it it almost feels like a different language sometimes that, um, you know, what you're trying to decipher in terms of legal advice. When does a business owner need to consider hiring or consulting a lawyer? Um, As an entrepreneur, what should um, our listeners be thinking about when thinking through legal support?
0: Sure. And so let me mention, legal can actually be another language. So Mm. you're definitely not alone. (laughs) Um, Yeah, legal is one of those things that people don't necessarily want to spend the money on, but it's much better to spend the money up front, rather than down the road. Mm. So in terms of when to hire a lawyer, Anytime you're in a service industry where you are having clients sign contracts with you, so if you're signing up clients, so for example, if you are a coach and you are having new clients sign on, you want to have a legal contract in place. So you want to get a lawyer beforehand to help you draft your contract and initially you could think oh my gosh it's going to be super expensive Mm -hmm. but if you're using that contract or that template over and over and over again it's really going to pay itself off in no Mm -hmm. time and at the same time it's going to make sure that you are completely covered. Mm -hmm. Another area where you might want to get a lawyer's advice is even before you start up you might want to talk with a lawyer to talk through whether or not you need to incorporate your business, or does it make sense to be a sole proprietor or a partnership? And so lawyers can help you structure all of that, um, all of the legal aspects of your business as well. So it's, helpful when you're first starting out when you have a business to have an initial consultation with a lawyer and sometimes those consultations lawyers will provide for free Mm -hmm. and that will give you a good feel of who this lawyer is. Do you have a good relationship with them? Is this someone you can use down the road Mm -hmm. because I think it's more helpful to have someone at least in your contact list that you can reach out to when you really need them rather than when things are going crazy Mm -hmm. and there's fires that need to be put out and you're trying to find someone it's nice to have someone beforehand and even if you contact them you know, when something is going on. And if that's not that lawyer's area of expertise, chances are they know someone that they can refer you to mm-hmm. and someone that they can w- recommend for you.
1: Mm. And do you have one specific question that many entrepreneurs would come to you with? Is there almost one, um, you know, sort of entrance point that every entrepreneur is struggling with one particular um, question?
0: One particular question, Um. I think a lot of times entrepreneurs come to me and they say, we just don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like they want to sit down and have this chat and say, here's my business. Here's what we're doing. Where am I at risk? Yeah. And so that's a, it's a tough one for the clients to kind of wrap their brains around because they don't know what's out there and they don't know what the red flags are. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's helpful just to have that conversation with a lawyer um, and you you can send them over your contracts and things like that and have the lawyer review them. Of course, at the same time, there's always the financial impact of that as well because lawyers do not come
1: cheap in most Mm -hmm. circumstances. Mm -hmm. So that's something to consider as well. And what advice do you have for our listeners in terms of finding a good lawyer? Like what would be the criteria or the checklist um, when you're asking for that initial consultation or as you're looking um, to bring on extra support for your business? What would you look for in a lawyer?
0: So I would look for a few things. I would look for a lawyer who has a great reputation Mm -hmm. in your industry. So for Mm -hmm. example, if you are I wanna use the coaching example cause that's a bit of my space as well. But let's say you are a business coach and you're asking around to other business coaches in your community. I would find out who's a lawyer that other people have worked with that they've really had a great experience with. So word of mouth is really important. Um, and then in terms of other things to think about are when you get on that initial call, does that lawyer have the expertise to be able to help you? Do they understand your industry? Also, what's their turnaround time like? Sometimes lawyers are really, really busy and they might not be able to get something to you until like two or three weeks down the road. Mm. Um, And then also, I would want a lawyer to be really upfront with their fees. Mm. So for me as a lawyer, I don't like to surprise my clients. I like to tell them beforehand how much I think it's going to cost. Um, So those are a few things to think of. And I also want to mention the Good Lawyer platform as well. So
1: yes, tell us about Good Lawyer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So Good Lawyer is an online uh, website, goodlawyer.ca. And on there entrepreneurs can go on and if they have a legal issue or if they want to get their business incorporated, if they need an employment contract, they can go on there and pick through lawyers who have already been vetted by us. They can pick their jurisdiction and they just go on and they book the time and then that lawyer will call them. And it's just an easy way to connect with a lawyer who's already been vetted for mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. payment is all done online payment is all clear and upfront so that's a really amazing uh, way to get legal services and get connected with a really good lawyer that's already
1: been vetted Mm, we're big, big fans of Good Lawyer <laughs> and cross promoting on, on both of our, our podcasts. So I think the idea is fantastic and just demystifying this whole process. Um, you know, whatever disruptive, uh, you know, legal uh, organizations that are looking to make this as accessible as possible, I'm totally on board uh, with that. So great to see that, that new innovation.
0: Absolutely. And it's really a fantastic platform. I am also a lawyer on the platform as well as an advisor. And it's just excellent to be able to provide legal services to people that are affordable.
1: Mm -hmm. And um, it's a lot of fun too. Awesome. Um, So obviously, we have a very startup centric audience, um, particularly listening to the podcast, and every startup is going to need to sign a contract at some point, organize those types of documents. What are the red flags that every entrepreneur should be looking out for in a contract? Sure. Good question. (laughs) I'm very interested in this question because I'm I'm taking notes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So it's interesting because you can get all kinds of contracts. There's no in in most cases, there's no standard type of contract. There are in certain industries, but let's talk about the ones that are not standard. Mm. So the things you want to look out for is the term of the agreement and termination. So how long are you? In this agreement for. And so often it will say there's two types of termination there's termination for convenience. termination for cause. So with convenience, convenience means that either party can terminate for whatever reason that they want. Mm -hmm. So look at that because what's going to be the impact on your business, say Mm -hmm. if your client terminates the contract and they only have to give 10 days notice, for example. Mm -hmm. So you really want to look at the termination, how much notice they have to provide and how that's going to impact your business. Another area to look out for Um, and this is specific to employment or um, independent contractor agreements primarily, but keep an eye out for it in other agreements as well, is a non-solicitation clause. So this is a clause saying that you cannot solicit any customers, you can't take any employees. Um, There's often a non-compete, basically saying you can't set up shop down the road with a competing business so all of those things are considerations you need to keep in mind also keep in mind your intellectual property Mm -hmm. who owns the IP who has the right to use the IP and by IP I'm talking about things like your logo or your photographs or if you create copy for a client All of those things that make up assets in your business, who has the rights to use them? And you want to be very specific. Also, just overall, you want your client to be very, very specific because you don't want to get to a point down the road where there's a misunderstanding and you're not quite sure what was supposed to be provided because the contract is too vague. But if the contract is specific and says, for example, we will provide you with Two written articles between 300 and 500 words in length on this topic, you know, that's much more specific and much more tangible than saying we will provide you with two articles, for example. Mm. So those are a few things to think about. And one more I want to mention as well is the limitation of liability. Mm -hmm. So in your contract, there are often, you'll often see a clause that's going to limit liability. So it might cap it at a certain dollar amount. So obviously from your perspective, you want your limitation to be capped. So if it's not in an agreement, you probably want to have it in. Um, Or on the flip side, the person you're contracting with could have their liability capped, but not yours. So it's, mm. it's just something to think about when you're going through the contracts.
1: Hmm. And obviously, in in today's uh, you know day and age, where we're definitely living in some some unprecedented times, as they say, um, how do you recommend that entrepreneurs save themselves from any risks related to a global pandemic per se? Um, are there any um, <laughs> precautions that we can be taking, or things that we should just be considering um, that you know might not have been as top of mind um, pre COVID?
0: Sure. So. When COVID hit, everyone was looking at their contracts for their force majeure clauses. Mm -hmm. So those are clauses that are going to set out things like a pandemic. And they talk about acts of God or there could be war or there could be a postal strike. It's all Mm -hmm. kinds of different things that a contract will define as being a force majeure event and so if there is a force majeure event and it's in your contract you have to read what your contract says often it will um, allow the parties to get out of the contract essentially Um, and there are certain steps that might have to be taken like certain uh, notification periods and how long the force majeure event has to have taken place so going forward, if you're putting together contracts, you want to have a force majeure provision in there. You want to make sure it covers things like global pandemics, um, government emergencies, things Mm. like that. But there is sort of, basket language that you can put in that's trying to cover as many situations as possible. So definitely take a look
1: for your force majeure events. Fantastic. I think that's super helpful. Very timely <laughs> advice. Uh, but yeah. interesting that, yeah, it's one of those things that potentially people were not paying a whole lot of attention to uh, beforehand, but whatever um, you know, flags people can be more conscious of and really reviewing their contracts. I think that was one of the most interesting things uh, with people that I w- was talking to is that nobody would... I shouldn't say this to a lawyer, but many people were not reading their contracts with a fine tooth comb um, until something like COVID happened and they really had to understand what the contracts meant. Um, So I think just in terms of literacy around contracting, um, there's been a a shift in that education and people being much more aware of what they're signing on to.
0: Absolutely. And I get it. Most people are not like me and they don't want to read a 12 page (laughs) fine print agreement, but you, I think that's great advice, Kayla. You don't want to be signing something that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. So take the time to go through it. Or if your lawyer has drafted it, ask them to sit down with you for Mm -hmm. 20 minutes and just give you the, you know, like the, basic understanding of what that agreement is saying in regular language Mm -hmm. because there is a bit of a push in the legal industry to try to make contracts more reader friendly Mm. but at the same time it's hard for lawyers to do and we've been doing it a certain way for a long time. So it's, it would be helpful if your lawyer is able to sort of walk you through some of the important provisions. And that will also help you with your clients as well, to be able to explain that contract to them. Mm. And um, it just makes you stand out as a, more of a professional Mm. in that
1: manner. Mm, That's a great way of thinking about it. Yeah, if you know your contracts inside and out, that speaks to your credibility in understanding all the different moving parts, um, that that's only going to bolster your position as as a credible person and entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I agree.
0: Another tip too, I would mention too, Kayla, is for entrepreneurs not to be scared to negotiate their contracts. So Mm. if you receive a contract from someone and they say, okay, just sign on the last page and send it back, You don't have to do that. Like you still want to take the time to review that contract. And if you have some negotiating power, you can, send back revisions to your agreement. And often I will do this with my clients and they're thinking, oh, this isn't going to fly. And they'll be pleasantly surprised when the other side says, okay, yeah, we agree to all of those changes. So it works in your favor. So don't be scared to ask.
1: Hmm. Oh, I love that. That's that's great advice. I, I would not necessarily think, you know, especially um, if, if you are intimidated by a contract or you feel like you don't know what what's in it, per- perhaps there could be some type of um, you know nervousness Or or disincentive to to send it back, but why not? If you have that negotiating power, definitely something to pursue. Mm -hmm.
0: And the worst, the worst they can do is say no, and then you have
1: to decide that. Like any good negotiation. (laughs) That's That's right. (laughs) Fantastic. So, Amy, any final piece of advice you want to leave um, with our audience today? I think we've covered a lot of ground, uh, but if there's one um, final takeaway that you'd like to leave our audience with, what would that be?
0: Oh my goodness. Um my final takeaway would be don't be afraid of legal. Mm. I understand it's this you know it seems like this big thing out there where people are speaking a different language and it's really expensive. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that way and, and I think especially if you can find a lawyer who is willing to work with you, who's within your budget, who you have a great relationship with, then that will, is just going to set up your business for success. So don't ignore legal until it's too late. Like Get on it now so that you can have things all set up so that you can really
1: flourish going forward. Fantastic advice, Amy. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on The Thrive Podcast today. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is so much fun. Thank you for joining us this week on The Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.